Thanks for listening to the River in the Hills Weekly Sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. Go ahead and invite up Brad, our guest speaker. If you've been to any, let's give it up for Brad. If you've been to any of the Culture of Prayer conference, go ahead and raise your hand if you've been to any of the sessions, if you've been here for a minute, Friday, Saturday. If you've been to any of the Culture of Prayer, this man needs no introduction. Am I right? I don't need to introduce him. But I'm going to introduce him for those who haven't been to the Culture of Prayer conference. Brad hails from Arlington, Texas in the Metroplex. He has been directing a house of prayer in Arlington for 17 years. They've been building over 17 years, and right now they're at 20 hours a day. For 20 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, they start at 5 a.m. with a prayer meeting and don't stop until 1 a.m. Imagine a prayer meeting in this room from 5 a.m. to 1 a.m., 365 days a year, 20 hours of prayer a day. This man oversees and leads that. And I said it on Friday night, I'm gonna say it again. I believe there, he's in the top three of prayer generals in the world. In the global prayer movement, he is in the top three of prayer generals in the entire world. What God has done in the quality and the quantity of prayer and worship that has come under this man's leadership. And here we have him in our little storefront. So let's honor and receive him and receive what God is going to give through him. And I'm calling him Ephesians 3.20 Brad. Ephesians 3.20 Brad, that's my nickname for you. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask or think from him this week. And that's what we've received. I knew you, you had to be good if you're sustaining 20 hours a day of prayer and worship. You had to be a motivator, but I know you'd be this good. I'm for real. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask or think. I'm blown away. So we love you. We bless you. We receive from you before you even say a word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Kyle. Unbelievable. That was so gracious. You know, I was thinking in worship just about the unbelievable little moments that have been happening for me uh, while being here with you. And um, not all of you get the opportunity to get to go around to a bunch of other churches. Uh, that's not, uh, not, it's not normal that everybody gets to go visit a lot of churches. And for good reason. You need a home base. You need to be plugged in here. This is This is a really good church, guys. I get to see a lot of different churches. This is one of my favorite churches I've ever been to. Like, I I really, really love this people and your your genuineness and your your attentiveness to detail and your love and your authenticity and your hunger. I'm trying to find something wrong with you. I'm gonna like I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Kyle for the real dirt story on you after because I can't I can't find anything wrong with you, but there's bound to be something, but I have yet to find it. Uh, I'm just, I'm really blessed by you, by your culture and your, just your genuine love. And of course, that's reflected because of your leadership. You guys have got some incredible leaders. Um, it's an honor to be here with you. This is fun. I love this. I'm having such a great time. I'll take it. Well, as Kyle said, uh, I was a, I love, I loved hearing Kyle's testimony. Oh my gosh. I, cause I was an atheist. And so I just like, oh, Kyle, it's great. Look at you. Look at us, bro. Thank you, Jesus. He can save the slime and the scum of the earth, baby. And so, uh, so 
after having been in, been in the kingdom for a little bit and spend some time in the mission field, um, I uh, was uh, doing ministry of, uh, you know, just life in ministry uh, in Arlington and uh, back 17 years ago. And I heard the Holy Spirit give me the clearest word that I've ever heard him say to me ever, uh, even to this day, 17 years later. And he said, start a daily prayer meeting tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. and don't stop until I come back. And that was just the most shocking, life-rocking, confusing uh, thing to do. And we started the next day, and because God said do it, and he gave us grace to do it, we did it, and we're still doing it. So here we are, 100 years later, 17, uh, and uh, we're still building uh, this, this night and day prayer furnace, and I'm just so grateful to get to do it. And, and so what's fun for me is, um, having now been in that swirl for 17 years, to be able to come to other ministries and become be an encouragement and say, keep going, you can do it. You know, there's, there's light at the end of the tunnel and, and uh, to give some practical tips. And so I'm just really grateful to be able to be here with you this weekend and so into you and you've just been so hungry like sponges. Y'all are a bunch of Texas sponges. And, um, and just to be here with you has been an honor. Well, one of the things that we did was we brought some of the resources that we use back at our house of prayer to help keep our people encouraged. That's the reason those resources exist, is to empower, envision, to strengthen, to keep our people going. And I figured, well, you know what? If it's working for our folks, probably work for others as well. Uh, so there's a resource table out in the lobby that I invite you to check out uh, at the end of the service. And uh, Christy, wave your hand real quick. Christy will probably help us out with uh, some of that at, at the end. But I wanted to tell you about a couple of them because otherwise you'll just be looking at stuff on a shelf and looking at it. Just, it just looks dumb. I mean, why would you buy anything? I, don't, I can't imagine. Um, we've got two different resource types. One is audio resources, and uh, all of them are eight sessions, and they're about an hour each. This one is called Having an Actual Prayer Life. Um, I waited till I was about 15 years into the journey of doing the prayer room uh, for 15 years. So I did this one a couple of years ago, maybe, maybe three years ago now. And uh, I waited until I felt like I really had something to say. I wanted to give the most practical, step-by-step, you don't need to be spiritual or smart. You just need to have a pulse and be able to listen. If, you, if your ears are listening or somebody else can tell it to you later, uh, this is just the most practical stuff of how you can actually have a real prayer life. And so it's eight hours of the most practical stuff imaginable. So if that's an area that you're like, I'd like to grow in that, or I know my kid needs to grow in that, or, or whatever, uh, that's what this one is. It's eight sessions, and there's CDs, and then we've also got a teachable account, so you can uh, log on online and listen to them that way because we recognize not everybody's got a CD player. All right, second. Um, I still have a CD player. I love CDs. I'm just, I'm so old, right? Okay, uh, there are a few messages that have really touched me over the years that have really helped me to live godly, that have really helped me to focus on, on him and his reality and, and why I want to motivate my heart to continue to walk in righteousness. I can't think, besides the subject of the greatest commandment, I would say that's the number one for me, besides the subject of the greatest commandment, I can't think of anything that has helped motivate me to want to live for Jesus day to day more than the subject of eternal rewards. I wrote a uh, 14-part Bible course. We've got a, a part-time Bible school at our uh, house of prayer. I wrote a 14-part Bible school course called Eternal Rewards. And it's, I mean, it's a thick book. I don't know, there's 175 pages or something like that. And it's, if the subject is not one that you're particularly familiar with, think about it this way. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven 
where moth and rust do not destroy. Jesus, this is Jesus, this is Jesus. So Jesus is saying, in, and I'm going to give the little wrap-up, Jesus, of course, our salvation is free. You can't work for your salvation. Anybody who worked for your salvation, you didn't get saved. That's not how that works. Your salvation is a free gift, but once you're saved, now you're saved. Your eternity and the way that it looks is dynamically related to the way you live your life now. And Jesus taught on this subject more than any other author. He taught on it over and over. He motivated his disciples more than any other form of motivation. Jesus used a dangling carrot of, if you'll do this, your eternity will be better. If you'll choose this instead of that, you will actually have treasures in heaven. You will have brighter righteousness. You will have greater glory. You'll have greater access to me in the age to come. There is a, listen, I'm telling you right now, Jesus taught on the subject of eternal rewards, meaning there's activities and actions that we can have and do now that will have impact for us forever. I like yields on return. I, I love the idea of I give a little bit and then I wind up getting more back. I love the principle of giving it will be given to you. I love that. It's eternal. And the subject of eternal rewards, I'm just telling you personally, this subject of eternal rewards has marked my life and helped me in day-to-day conversations when I really want to respond this way. I'm thinking if I will just hold my tongue, the Lord sees it and he'll respond. When the, tight, when the money's tight and I think, oh, I don't really want to give, but I go, no, he sees it and he will respond. There are so many passages. I'm talking about maybe a hundred different passages about eternal rewards equaling stuff we do in this life, carrying over into the next life, and making our life in the age to come better. Oh, my goodness. It's mind-blowing. And I, I just advertise the concept to you. Uh, So don't even buy the book. Just go look up a bunch of verses on eternal rewards. But I just advertise the concept to you because it stirs the heart and it helps make sense of life today, here and now. Amen. Okay. Your best life then. Okay, I write that book and I'm still in that title. Your best life then. Look at this guy, he's so clever. Okay. Well, if we can, we're going to jump into the word. Is that all right? (laughs) Father, we ask you in the name of Jesus to anoint the written word of God, that the Bible would come alive and would have power to impact us today. Father, we ask you, come in our midst and your spirit stir up hearts, every heart in this room, cold hearts and hot hearts. Stir us up that the word of God would have power today in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning's message is entitled, Jesus' Invitation to Friendship. This is a subject that is so powerful. That is the coolest slide ever. Can you please email me that slide? Wow, that title looks cool now. On my paper, it's just like size 12 font Cambria. But that is, that, this is good. This is good. That's okay. Dang. Okay. I said I like this church. I knew it. All right. Well, I want to talk about one of the most unbelievable, it's, it, it's an audacious thing that the Lord has done, invitations that big God, creator of everything, infinitely wise, infinitely kind, infinitely infinite, looks at little finite ants, us, 
and says, I cannot wait to be friends with that little ant. I mean, it's the most mind-boggling thing to me. I don't just mean I am God, overlord over all, and I choose to participate and, and, and bear know us and be our friend. This is unbelievable. Well, when we're talking about prayer, because as your communication, okay? So whether that's a work relationship or spouse or kid or whatever, you've only got as good of a relationship as you have the, the level of communication back and forth, okay? Well, when we talk to each other, we call it talk. But when we talk to God, we call it prayer. But it's just talk. It's us talking to God and God talking back. But, but the subject of prayer is really where, this, where I'm getting at with this concept of relationship, this concept of friendship. And so I want to shift our thought process. In fact, I, I think we would do ourselves a great uh, service to delete the idea that prayer is one of the disciplines of the faith. It's what good Christians do. Do good Christians talk to their best friend? I mean, that just seems like an it's like really kind of an odd way to approach this. Instead, let's talk about prayer as I'm talking with God who is my friend, and I'm actually expecting he'll talk back. This, that's a very different perspective on prayer. As long as prayer is a discipline of the faith, then if I'm good, I do it, and if I'm, don't, if I'm not good, I don't do it, and, and then it's a labor, and I got to like learn stuff about it in order to be able to do it because I got to pass the test. That sounds lame and burdensome. I don't want anything to do with that. That's not what it is. It's a conversation with a real person who's, who's fun, who's smart, who likes you, who's for you. And there's just, there's no better person to have a conversation with. We've just had perhaps a real wrong perspective about the subject of prayer. We've, it's a religious thing. It's, it's what Christians do. It's a religious duty. That's silly. It's conversation with God. And I want to encourage us, let's get good at it. Let's, let, let's learn how to do it, and, and let's go deep. Okay, well, I look at this verse in Job 29.4, and it's just powerful. Oh, my goodness, what it advertises is just so incredible. Oh, for the days when I was in my prime, when God's intimate friendship blessed my house. Oh, for the days. And now this is Job with a little bit of regret. You can hear it in his tone of what used to be but what isn't anymore. Listen, I want to tell you two things. One, you can have intimate friendship with God, and also you can, at some point if you choose, stop talking to him. And you can have something in your history and not something in your current reality but in the same way, you can reawaken it today, just decide. I heard the crazy redhead, he said something about Job. I want God, friendship with God, here I go. And it's like, all you need. That's all you need this morning is just a little jump start, okay? So today's your day, friends. Oh, for the days when God's intimate friendship. I want you to hear the Bible describe a friendship relationship between two people, a person and God, as the intimate friendship. Think about those friends that you could say that of. It's a short list, probably. Intimate friendship. And here the Bible, the Holy Spirit is testifying, this exists. I don't want to live any other way. If this is real, if this can be had, I will have it. 
I want this. And that's why it's in the Bible, so we can see that. Well, how do we get there? We cultivate it like a garden. Uh, Colossians 1.10. Just look at, the, look at the garden language here. Look at the, the, just that, that kind of that cultivating language found here. That you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. The way that we, we get a relationship with God is we cultivate it. The way that we get a friendship is we, we're attentive, we're, we're intentional. Now, there are some people that I know, uh, you know, Texas has got some interesting soil. So sometimes growing a garden can be a little bit of a challenge here, especially if you're in clay land, you know. Um, <clears throat> but there are some people that they'll grow a garden, and you go in their backyard, and, and you see it's all overgrown, and there's like worms eating stuff. And some of the leaves are brown and yucky. There's like little trash and even tumbleweeds blowing through it. <laughs> you know, it's just like it's just like a desolate little barren wasteland. And they're like, hey, look. And they, they show you a half-eaten tomato in their garden. It's like, dude, this is a gnarly garden, man. I don't know what you're doing back here, but you need to up your garden game big time. And then you see those that through careful attentiveness, careful pruning, careful watering, making sure the soil's good, trimming stuff up, cleaning things out, taking sure, you know, making sure all the pests are gone. And the garden is just beautiful. And there's really only one difference between the two gardens because both are gardens. Both had seeds planted. Both had, you know, water to, to uh, get the plants to come forth. There's attentiveness. It's cultivated. And I think that in all honesty, if we're, if we're real, some of our relationship with the Lord looks a little bit like that other garden. And it's not the Lord's fault. We just haven't cultivated it. But I want to tell you, if that person that's got the gnarly garden would just get out there and spend a little bit of time with a little bit of TLC and give the attentiveness, that garden could be beautiful and fruitful and vibrant in just a moment. And see, that's the kindness of the Lord. He gives it to us. It's Sometimes I think, Lord, you trust us way too much. Like, we, we are peewee. Have you met us? Like, why do you trust us with this? Like, the relationship, it, why don't you just do the whole relationship and we just kind of receive like robots? And he's like, no, I, I actually want friendship. I want it to be two-way. His hand is as, as extended to us as it can be. I mean, there's no way he could extend the hand more. But we do have to take the hand. And that's, our part is to cultivate that garden. Can I just like pop the bubble on religiousness of prayer? Let's start thinking of it as conversation and garden tending. What if our prayer life, our relationship with God was about tending a garden and cultivating deep friendship? I mean, what a different perspective and what a biblical one, I believe. You know, I think that we've heard John 3.16 so many times, even... Kyle, I love it. He's like, that's pretty much the only Bible verse I do. So that's the one that God had made put up on the wall for me. I think we've heard John 3.16 so much that we're not really catching what it's being communicated. So let's put John 3.16 up. And then if you'll let me, I'm going to give a little bit of commentary on it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Can I, can I change it just for a moment here and say, for God liked people so much that he gave his son. 
See, we've heard the term, he loved the world so much, I'm not sure it's hitting us like it was meant to. What does God so love the world mean? It means he liked humans, he liked ants. He liked people so much. He goes, I like them. We got a problem. What are we going to do? Jesus, you got to go. We got to fix this problem. There's a gap between us. I don't like the gap. I like them. I like those little ant things down there. He says, I like them. I like them so much, Jesus. I'm sending you so I can get them. Guys, this wasn't a contractual agreement from heaven like God's like, well, there's sin, and so we got to deal with sin, so Jesus got to go. It's the, it's the over, like, flowing burden of the Lord of love. He looks at us and he says, oh, I love them so much. I got to get them back. This wasn't a burden to him. It was his deep desire. It wasn't to get us out of hell. It was to get us into relationship. Salvation isn't about not going to hell. That's just a prerequisite for relationship. It's not like I got saved. Oh, that's over. Man, I'm not going to hell anymore. What? Are you kidding me? He didn't save you so that you would not go to hell. He saved you so he could have a real relationship with you because he likes you. Do you know he made you unique? No one else has ever been like you. I don't know how he could. That is the most. It's like the stars in the sky. How in the world do you do that, God? How do you keep making new people that are different from the old people? How many ways can you make a personality and a face? Like, I don't know. He just keeps doing it. And he goes, he goes I made you, and no one else is like you, and I want to be friends with you because I can't get that friendship from anybody else. And I sent my son to get you because I want you. Like, you like me that much? He's like, exactly. That's what this whole thing is about. That's what the experiment called earth and life is about, is for God to have an incubator, to have a greenhouse, to raise up friends. Now, if this is what he wants, let's give the man what he wants. <laughs> what in the world are we doing? We're all busy doing other things. Sorry, God, I'm busy. I got other things going on in life. This is, I'm living my life now. He's like, I saved that little ant for friendship. Why is the ant shaking its little ant fist at me? Guys, we've got this so wrong. We think our lives are about whatever we think our lives are about. Wrong answer. Totally wrong. You've, we've totally missed the mark. What's your life about? Well, you know, getting job security and you know, education, family and all those things. Great, have all those things. That is not why you exist. You exist to be God's friend. Quit not being God's friend. Quit it. Be God's friend. Let's give him what he wants. It's his deep desire. Guys, this, this revelation, in my opinion, that God wants to be our friend and that's really what life is about. Not having a job, not making money, not being a mom. That's not what your life is about. Your life is about friendship with God. This changes everything. Everything. Let's get into the friendship. Let's get into the way that Jesus sees it. So Jesus is talking about this subject. He's trying to help his main guys understand how he sees things and how he feels about things. And he gives them this passage that we're familiar with. We know Matthew 9.15. We know it 
And I, I understand that the passage, it's uh, one of the main points of the passage is to talk about the subject of fasting. But I just want to pick apart some of the language that Jesus chooses to use, okay? Now, one of the things that I get as a privilege of being a pastor and being a pastor of a young adult church back home is young adults seem to find each other. And f- first comes love, and then comes marriage. And, and a number of times, they, they ask me to, to marry them. And so I get the privilege on occasion to, to marry a young man and a young woman, and it's just the sweetest thing. And what's so fun about it is no matter the couple, there's one thing that is just tested and tried. It's, it's the same no matter the situation. You go to the church, wherever it is, wherever the venue site is, there's some spot over here where the girls are getting ready, okay? All the ladies and the, and the bride, they're getting dressed and made up and whatever. I don't go there. I don't know what goes on there. I don't want to know. <laughs> Not my business. But I get to hang out with the guys. And let me tell you what's happening back with the guys. It's a locker room. It's like a fraternity, okay? These guys are popping each other with their ties. They're telling stories like, oh, do you remember the time that he did this? And it's the funniest moment because you've got this convergence of all the friends that have never met each other before, okay? A lot of them because what happens for the, for the groom is he calls his best dudes, and he says, will you be one of my groomsmen? Will you be my best man? Will you be one of my groomsmen? And they're coming from all different parts of the country. I went to college with that guy. I grew up with that guy. Ooh, I met that guy at this, at this season of my life. And they all kind of converge, and they've all got stories about the, groomsmen, about the groom. And they're telling them, and I'm telling you back there, it's like sometimes I just stick my fingers in my ear, and I'm like, la, 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 not listening. It is like a fraternity back there. It's hilarious, okay, because these guys, they are there to be there for their bro on his big day. He's called his closest, lifelong, dearest friends to come be with him on his biggest day. And that great cost, they've come, they've dressed up real nice, and they are there for him on his big day. Many are invited to the wedding. And no one gets invited to the wedding that doesn't have a special place in the heart of those, the bride and the groom. But there's only a handful of them that get to be the groomsmen. And this is what Jesus says. He says, you want to know how I feel about this relationship that we've got, you and me? He says, you're my groomsmen on the day of my wedding. That's how I feel about you. Jesus said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. And we've always known this to be a fasting passage that's related or or, uh, pertaining to all believers. But then let's also take the context to pertain to all believers. Jesus says, the kind of friendship I want with you The kind of invitation that I'm making to you is like that select group of five guys that I've called from across the country to be there on my big day. And we're in the back room sharing the most marvelous stories and time together on my big day. This is the way that God thinks about friendship with ants. Guys, we have won the lottery. This is how he feels. It's We're not fringe. We're not, we came into the kingdom and now we're somewhere on the backside. His 
capacity for relationship is greater than any extrovert you have ever met. His capacity for, ooh, special, intimate friendship with this one, and that one, and that one, and that one. And it's his deep desire. See, to me, it's so different to find out it's his desire. It's what he wakes up thinking about. I guess he doesn't wake up, but if he did. What he's thinking about, what he's dreaming about, it's very different than what he tolerates. I'll tolerate them. I'll tolerate their place in my kingdom. I'll tolerate this relationship thing. I'll even be a father to them, and I'll be loving, but I'm tolerating them. That's not what we're reading about, friends. We're talking about a person who's burning with desire to be your bestie. And he's made it clear over and over and over in the word. The part that's not clear is our thinking. We've got wrong perspective. So we've approached the relationship wrongly. We've, we've approached the relationship at a distance as though that was somehow written into the rule book somewhere. It's not. He's like, no, no. I've actually said a lot of things, like a hundred things or a thousand things to try to get you to see. That is not how I see this at all. I want you as an intimate friend. <coughs> I want you as a friend of the bridegroom. One of those that got invited to that intimate moment because of the access to his heart. Oh, my gosh. Look at the example that John gave us. I just love this. This is John chapter 21, verse 20. The apostle John, we know he's the one that Jesus loves. We know he's the one that laid his head on Jesus' chest. But I do have a little bit of an interesting perspective to share with us here. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? Now we read that and somehow we forgot who wrote the book. This is John writing about John. And John says of John, oh, you know. The disciple that Jesus loved. <laughs> Who's that guy over there? Is that John? No, that is not John. Who is that? It's the disciple that Jesus really, really, really likes. We laugh, but what if we could have that confidence? To write it in the Bible so that people for thousands of years read it. And go, this dude's audacious. He talks like he's really God's friend because he's really God's friend. I just want to tell you, I, I want to make this really clear. If you want to be God's friend, you can be. That's the message this morning. It's that simple. He wants it. He really, really, really wants it, but he won't force it. He won't make it. He won't make it happen because friendship, he doesn't want the love scorned thing. He wants you to want it. Have you ever had, just think about, you know, playground days back in junior high or whatever, elementary school, and, and that era of life as everybody was trying to figure out what does friendship look like. You ever have one of those friendships where you really wanted to be that person's friend and you were trying and they just really did not want to be your friend. <laughs> and it was kind of like, a little weird for a while because you're, you're trying to figure out, oh, I guess they really don't like me. 
uh, keep ghosting me. And they, they are definitely not coming back over here to the swings with me. Okay, got it, got it. Am I the stinky kid? What happened? Why don't they like me? I want them to like me. The Lord is so secure, he's not in the position that he would even ever put himself in that spot. His desire and his longing for us is so big, high, strong, and tall, but he will not force us into the friendship. So it does need to be an active choice. And it really comes down to, I mean, if we just got to get down to it, it's like, really comes down to, we've all got 168 hours in our week. You can't get more, you can't get less. Spend some time with your friend. Spend a little bit more time. I mean, the coolest thing is he's in your guts. I don't know if you knew that. Is it a little bit gross? He lives inside of you. Now, I don't, I, that's just so disgusting to me because I'm like, where? Between what and what? Like, that's just, I'm kind of, it's a little gross in there from x-rays, um, you know. And so he lives inside of you, meaning there is no distance, which is the most unusual part of our relationship because everybody else we eventually have to part with for the day, till tomorrow, next week, a year. But Jesus, we never part with. The capacity for friendship, communication, prayer, the capacity for friendship 24-7 is there in the car, doing the dishes, walking the dog, at home, mowing the lawn, at work, in a conversation. Listen, tune me out and stop listening to me and just have a conversation with Jesus right now. Just You can do that right now. You don't need, what am I? I'm just up here with a microphone and a blue shirt. Like, I just, I got nothing. Talk to God. Anywhere you are, he's with you. He lives in your guts. He's as close as he could be. He did it on purpose so that we could have access all the time to friendship, fellowship, nearness. Skip along a little bit here in the notes. I'm going to put up Psalm 27.4 because I know you guys know the verse. But I just want to talk about what it means related to not being a good Christian. What it means to make a, a commitment, to make a, a decision to have friendship be a priority. This is King David who's busy. You don't get to be the king of a nation and not be a busy man. You're busy. And Mr. Busy says, there's just one thing that I'm asking God. One thing I ask of the Lord. Well, I mean, King David, you could ask him a lot of things. So I know, but I'm really focused on this one thing. I keep asking him. I, I ask him over and over and over and over. I, I'm really committed to this. What is it? He says, well, it's not just that I ask the Lord, then I myself seek it. He said, I align my life and my priorities. I look at my schedule. I pay attention to what I do with my thoughts. He said, I'm asking God, but then I'm also myself. I'm going to seek it. I'm going to do my due diligence. I'm going to do something about it. What is it? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That's not spiritual talk. That's actually David saying, I want to go to the prayer room seven days a week, 365 until I'm dead. Why? Why go to a prayer room? To behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. He says, I want to go to that place, and I want to encounter God. I want to feel his presence. I want to meditate on the word of God. I want to inquire of the things that the Lord wants me to do in my life. This is a really, really busy guy. I think it's beautiful that we have this as a testimony, not from a not busy guy, but from a really, really busy guy. 
so that the busiest amongst us can, can feel our excuses just fall off and go, there is a way to do this. There is a way to prioritize. This is David reaching for relationship with God. This isn't David trying to be a good Christian guy, He's a good follower of God. This is, that's not what this is. He says, I know something about him. He's beautiful. I can gaze on his beauty. I can behold it. He's beautiful. There are things about him that are incredible. I want to be able to inquire. I want to talk to him. I want to behold him. I want to encounter him. And I want it to be my lifestyle for the rest of my life because I want to be a person who has genuine relationship with God all my days. John 1.17. Every time I read this verse, and I'm sorry, I've, just, I've got issues, I know. John 1.17, every time I read this, all I read, the only thing I can see is a dare. That's all I see. It's just a dare. Sorry. Here it is. <clears throat> Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father and has made him known. Why does the Bible need to tell me that Jesus is in closest relationship with the Father if there is no such thing as second closest relationship with the Father? Why is that written that way? Why talk about closest relationship? Why not just say, and is in closer relationship, or is in the fullness of relationship, or some term that doesn't provoke redheaded me to go, I want second place, man. Because I think it's supposed to provoke us. Jesus is in closest relationship with the Father. What Bible verse says we can't be second? And it's not a competition against you. It's really a competition <laughs> against me. It's really what's going on in here. It's like, I want closest relationship. I mean, I guess I can't take first. Jesus has got it. But wh why can't I be of that order? Why can't my life be like that? It's a dare in the Bible that's inviting us. It's a hand extended. Be in closest relationship. Make your life Order your steps in such a way where friendship with God is top priority. Not your job. Not your schooling. Not your family. Not your ambitions. Closest relationship. Now what I've found is as I pursue closest relationship, I actually wind up being a better worker and a better husband and a better doer, and a better this, and a better that. Problem is when we get those things flipped, and we put something else as our top priority of pursuit, then God cannot be first. And honestly, he is not really excited about second, or third, or tenth place. He wants first. What if we make our life, what if we order our steps in such a way where we pursue closest relationship with him? I think it's what is available to us. I want to read a verse. It's John 15, 14 through 15, so I'm skipping a little bit in the notes. John 15, 14 through 15. I want to read this verse, and I want you to hear it for the first time ever. If you've, ever, if you've read it a thousand times, pretend you haven't. Hear it for the first time today after this message with this backdrop and this, this invitation extended to you 
from the Lord, hear these phrases from God afresh and anew. I no longer call you servants. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything I learned from my father, I made known to you. I call you friends. Yeah, but you don't know what my last week looked like. Well, I don't, but you better believe God does. He says, I've called you friends. Yeah, but you don't realize how many times I've heard a message like this, said yes, sort of, and then did no as, a, as an outpouring, uh, as, you know, outflow. He says, oh, yes, I do. I've called you friends. He says, yeah, but you don't recognize all the stuff that's going on in my soul and all the distractions. He says, oh, I call you friends. Receive it. Be a friend of God. Be a friend of God and respond like a friend of God would. Spend time with him. That's really what it comes down to. It's unbelievable. Relationships, they take work. My wife, she reminds me on occasion, hopefully we can keep those occasions infrequent, (laughs) that she spells love, T-I-M-E. Relationships take work. A cultivated garden takes work. That garden doesn't just pop up and look beautiful. It takes work, but here's, here's the work, and here's the promise. Oh, the promise. If it's God talking and he promises me something, I can trust it. Now, if it's man, I've got a little question about whether they're going to be legit to me or not. But if it's God, let me just read you these verses. They all more or less say the same thing. Proverbs 8, 17. I'll read Jeremiah 29, 13, and then James 4, 8. They say more or less the same. Here's what it says. I love those who love me. And those who seek me, find me. Here's your work. Seek him. Here's the promise. You will find him. I promise. You will find him. Jeremiah 29. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. We do have some work to do. It's seeking him, but he promises, and he doesn't lie. If you seek him, you will find him. And finally, James 4, 8, similarly, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. As those that want to be friends with God, it's actually so simple, it's embarrassing. It's so simple, and it's so sure. It's so sure. There's no question. There's no doubt of what's going to happen when we do it. We just have to do it. And our problem as busy Western Texans, we've got so many things that he's blessed us with, so many opportunities and so many things. We've We've got so much that if we're not careful, we give ourselves to the things that were blessings instead of giving ourselves to the one who blessed we wind up spending so much of our time and our energy and our thought processes. Listen, I'll tell you, you lose a lot of bandwidth right up here between your ears. There's a lot that goes on of life right here between your ears. And we give so much thought and attention to other things. He says, if you seek me, you will find me. Draw near to me. I'll draw near to you. I want you to be in close relationship with me. I'll just, I'll end with that as I, as I wrap up here. There is an incredible opportunity that's put before us today, I believe, because I think for some of you today, you're hearing this and you're going, 
that dude's right. <laughs> I'll be darned. That, that dude said some smart stuff today. And, and what the Holy Spirit's doing is he's helping you have a restart. Today is, is, a, is a moment of, of clean slate. It's a moment of restart. Take it. Take the river. Take the, take the mercy river. And just go, okay, forgetting what's behind, I press on towards the goal. What is the goal? The goal is to know him and to love him and to feel him. And so, look, it just so happens, we didn't plan it this way, but praise the lamb, he likes us. We're at the end of the year. So we're about to enter into 2023. you got to start for a, a fresh, you know, New Year's resolutions kinds of stuff. What if the objective of 2023 is friendship? And what if you started to spend the rest of this year thinking about how? How am I going to do it? It's really simple stuff. It's, it's nothing like mystical or mysterious, really. It's very simple. It's, it's time. It's meditation on the word. It's prayer. It's talking to him. It's, it's dialing down. It's slowing down. Listen, I'll tell you, one of the things that is the greatest hindrance, we're so wound up that when we start to slow down, slowing down feels so impossible and it hurts so bad, we quit. Instead, press through that season, that, that period of time that it's going to take you to unwind, to dial down, to slow down. Listen, I, I've got a lot of things racing in my mind. I've had to learn how to take my thoughts captive, how to take my soul captive, how to dial down, to slow down, to listen, to find him so that I can enjoy his presence. Listen, you guys have a prayer room here. Do you know how blessed you are? You have a prayer room that is open in a lot of different ways, a lot of different times for you to be able to come and cultivate that, to get oil, to come be in this room, to cultivate friendship. <clears throat> I want to encourage you to spend the rest of this year and don't wait for implementation on January 1, start tomorrow, but spend the rest of this year, what are you going to do differently in 2023 so that friendship is a reality for you? How is that going to look? What are you going to do with your time and your energy? And your... There are some things, listen, there are some incredible blessings in your life you need to stop doing. You need to ask the Lord and let him chop it off. Pruning makes a tree better next year. But today, the tree loses a branch and it goes, ow. There are some things that the Lord wants to prune in your life. Let him, don't fight him. There are some incredible blessings in your life you've said yes to. There are some things that you're giving yourself to that are actually causing you to not have anything left for God. You, you, you just, you're out of energy. You're out of juice. Reverse it. Let's start with relationship. Let's start with friendship and then go, how much life do I have room for after my relationship with God? How much can I squeeze in? How much of the rest of life, instead of, I've got my life and now I'm gonna sprinkle a little Jesus on it. Let's turn the thing upside down go, my life is Jesus Christ. My life is hidden with Christ in God. My relationship with him is priority. Now, let's figure out what I need to do with my time and my life and my schedule to make that rich. And then I'll figure out how to be useful on planet earth after that. All right, Father, we ask you in Jesus' name for your help. Would you give us grace, God? This room full of people that's saying yes, 
Would you help us, God, to say yes and to live yes? Would you give, even right now, I pray in Holy, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, start dropping into people's spirits the specific things that are related to everything I just said. What to do with the time, what needs to be cut, little pruning moments. I pray, Holy Spirit, start putting it in people's hearts, start dropping it in there, little ways they can organize their schedule, little things that have been in their heart, but now bring it back to freshness and life in them. I pray, Holy Spirit, give grace and life. Help this church, help everybody in this church with a yes in their heart to have a deeper relationship with you. And I pray that as they draw near, you draw near back and you give them what they need to make that real in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.